Welcome back to the Eye on the Tigers podcast. I'm Dave Matter, Mizzou beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com. We've got a really special guest today uh, because football is almost here. We are, we are just about a week away to Missouri's opener, September 1st, next Thursday against Louisiana Tech. And uh, we're really fortunate to be joined today by Howard Richards, the uh, one of the voices of the Tigers, one of the radio voices. Uh, this is what year we were talking before we hit record, Howard. This is year twelve for you in the radio booth with with Mike Kelly. Man, it seems like just yesterday you were getting started, but you're more than a decade plus into this thing now, aren't you? I know it's hard to believe when you when you say I'm starting my second ten years, <laughs> uh, and and well into it right now. Um, but it has been a a fun process to be able to come back and and call games for my alma mater. You know, a place that has obviously been very special to me, and um, I I just enjoy it. We we got a great crew, you know, working with Mike, who's Mike's the gold standard. Uh, we won't tell him that, but he does a fantastic job. You know, sometimes he lets me talk. Uh, and, and when he doesn't, I just reach over and grab him by his throat and tell him it's my turn. So, but it's, it's, it's been fun, you know, working with Chris also. Chris Trevino has been around the program for a long time. Um, and <clears throat> the best thing is that we all understand each other and uh, we all know our roles and uh, allow each other to to do what it is we you know uh, we do best. So that's what makes it fun. And yeah, and we yeah. like each other. We like each other too. There you go. That is a key part of it, isn't it? I, I want to get into the broadcast stuff. I guess I I totally failed to introduce you, but I think anybody listening to this knows who Howard Riches is. Uh, former great offensive lineman for the Tigers, first round draft pick of the Dallas Cowboys in in 1981. I'm sorry to date you there, but had to. Do it. Um, <laughs> And uh, and and like we said, has been has been in the Tiger Radio booth for the last eleven years. This will be year number twelve. So you've seen a little bit of this twenty twenty two Missouri team at a scrimmage um, a little over a week ago. What are you most curious to learn about this team? And we're going to start learning more when the lights come on next Thursday night. Well, certainly, I'm I'm an offensive guy, but I've yeah. always been a, a fan of defense, of good defense, and. We certainly know that the beginning of the 2021 season was very unceremonious for this this squad. Yeah. Um, so I, I think what has happened uh, since the end of uh, that season and throughout this offseason, the glaring needs have been addressed, at least on paper. Um, and it's now up to you know all those little pieces of the puzzle to kind of fit together. Uh, bringing in, of course, new defense coordinator Blake Baker, who's got a lot of SEC experience, uh, bringing in experienced uh, guys from the transfer portal, some four stars to plug those holes, uh, experienced players coming back on defense that I think, you know, understand their roles a lot better. Uh, the biggest thing is avoiding injury, but um, I think, you know, you hire a, 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 an edge rush culture, uh, coach to I think give more attention to where we're to need it most along that defensive line. I think the defensive line from what I've seen thus far, they're starting to look more like an sec defensive line. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, it, it takes a while. You don't, it's not something that has been able to um, uh, be accomplished overnight, but I think Missouri's getting there. And um, that's what I'm, I think I'm most excited to see how the defense uh recovers from last year but you know what kind of a fast how fast can they start uh this season a 
really, really significantly reducing big chunk plays, yeah. uh, but also finding ways to force turnovers uh, and getting the ball uh, into the hands of the offense. Uh, I, I'm probably less concerned about the offensive production. Uh, naturally, you know, there's some 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 change in the offensive line, which, you know, you can't do anything offensively with success if you don't have a good offensive line. But yeah. there were some guys with experience. Um, and, you know, Marcus Johnson, the offensive line coach, finds a way to get the best players um, uh, at the at the positions where they're going to be the most productive and, and get it done. So, um, you know, the biggest question, of course, is, you know, Brady Cook, will he be able to get it done at quarterback? But everything that I've seen of, of Cook um, has been positive. His numbers look good. He plays with a lot of confidence. He plays, you know, almost fearlessly to me. And I think with him, the more he plays, the better he's going to be, the more comfortable he's going to be from week to week. Um, so it'll be fun to watch his development and, and watch how he um, really grows into that position as a leader of this offense. Yeah, let's let's start with that offensive line. And that that's your your specialty. Um, what do you like about the guys they bring back? I mean, Javon Foster is starting to get some recognition outside of outside of Mizzou um, as one of the better left tackles in the SEC. And if you're one of the better left tackles in the SEC, you should be one of the better ones in the country. Um, do you like that group and what they bring back? A bit of a mystery. You got a freshman center, but but otherwise, what do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, again, a lot, they've played a lot of football. Guys have, uh, even the new starters have, um, they've gotten a lot of time uh, in as backups. So it's not going to be foreign to them. Um, you mentioned Foster. He's a guy that uh, can play both sides. You know, he, he got to start playing on the right side. Um but seamlessly uh, has has moved over to the left side and um, has has found a home. You know, he's he's an athletic guy. Uh, he's got pretty good footwork. Plays with a lot of confidence, um, and he's consistent. That's the thing. Uh -huh. He's he's a big guy, but he's consistent. Um, so I, I think there's less of a concern about him there. Uh, again, you mentioned center, and it looks like Connor Tollison is a guy that uh, uh, is heir apparent to. Uh, two good seasons that Mike Maetti yeah. uh, the Tigers. Um, I understand he's, he's had some problems keeping weight on, but, you know, as the season gets goals, you know, progresses, he'll get that weight back. Um, yeah. But he's, you know, should be surrounded by, uh, you know, either it's Wood or Delgado or anyone they decide to plug in those positions. Um, I think we'll be just fine there. Uh, yeah. Again, playing with that cohesiveness, um, and having Cook there is your is your number one uh, at the quarterback position. Now everyone, all the number ones are just working together, you know, for the entirety of uh, you know the end of camp. And now as you get into your game prep, uh, the repetition is 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 where it's going to be key. You know, I like the fact that opening at home. This will be a big stage for them on national on national TV. Um, and obviously they want to play well. Um, yeah. But I, I think you know Eli is. I think the temperament uh, of this team, the culture of this team, I think may be um, at an all-time high since Eli has been here. Um, he guys understand what their their roles are. Uh, I don't think there's any divas on this team, yeah. and if you could eliminate that and get guys playing for each other, you know that's another victory or two uh, sure. at some point throughout this schedule. And I, and I I think that's what you know that's what Eli has been trying to build. 
uh, within uh, the, the culture of this Mizzou football program. Yeah, absolutely. You hear a lot of talk about that. And it, there's a lot of happy talk that you hear in August, but you sure. tend to hear a little bit more this year, it sounds like, and not to, to the point where I may be believing it a little bit more than I would in, in another year. Um, you, you mentioned Connor Tolleson. Did you ever play on a line either in college or in the NFL where you had a really young, untested center? I mean, can that be a scary situation? Well, at Mizzou, um, after – yeah, two years with Pete Allard at center and Pete uh-huh. was at center. And then they bring in this guy from Parkway North named Brad Edelman. Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> who, I think, you know, Brad was probably projected as an offensive tackle. Um, and then he ends up, uh, we plug him in at, at center in uh, 79. And, you know, he, he's kind of long and wiry, but he's, he's good in the weight room. And, uh-huh. Almost think he's going to be too tall, but man, he he has good leverage. He had really good bend and uh, was just very effective. Had a good first quick step. He's a smart guy, and I, I think it just I think he exceeded all the expectations of what um, a, a first year starting center could do. Yeah, so the history has been there. Uh, Missouri's had good good centers, uh, you know, throughout uh, their history, and you know, Brad was untested, but he got the job done. And yeah. uh, he was an anchor for us. And uh, that's what helped us, you know, certainly the spot playing in 70, uh, 78 and then coming in 79 as a full-time starter. And then, you know, my senior season, Brad uh, had a heck of a season. And then of yeah. course, you know, he gets drafted the following year to the saints and has a long career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, it, giving, giving talented players the opportunity to, um, you know, exploit their talents and, and and being willing to you know coach them to their talent level uh, and not necessarily trying to fit square pegs into round holes you know look at a guy's strength and 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 develop that strength yeah and if you if you play the right guy as a redshirt freshman now all of a sudden it's an investment now you've got three four years of him that think about like Tim Barnes and AJ Ricker Adam Speaker I mean Missouri's had a bunch of those centers that they could count on year after year so maybe maybe Tolleson is the next guy he's also kind of a taller center too so it'll be interesting if that's any kind of transition to make yeah and I think well look at Mitch Morris you know yep. Mitch played some center also and Mitch is six five and, yeah. and and then of course you know um uh, Britt I don't know if he actually took snaps as a center here but he's a guy that was able to move around so the one thing you can say about the guys that play f- along the offensive line for the University of Missouri, they're very versatile. They can play yeah. multiple positions. And I, for whatever reason, it's worked that way. And uh-huh. um, even though you haven't had any first-round picks, the guys have been able to come in and, and play multiple years in the league. And, um, you know, that's uh, that's been valuable. Uh-huh. And this group, I think, um, you know, developed by Marcus Johnson – the same types of talent is going to be developed uh, from year in, year out. Uh, but they play well together. Maybe not a bunch of superstars, but yeah, that cohesiveness is what uh, I think makes them so successful. Yeah, yeah. You, you touched on Brady Cook, and we're going to overanalyze everything he does in the opener and from there on. How interesting do you think this backup situation is? You know, I asked Eli about it earlier in the week and he basically said it's probably going to be situational if they need a guy or if they have the luxury of playing a guy late in a game and it might not be the same choice all the time what what do you make of of that because we we spend all offseason trying to figure out who the starter is and then immediately it turns to okay now who's the backup now now what's the next plan I guess that's just kind of 
human nature when you're talking about a, a football team. Well, and it, it could be he could be doing that for a number of reasons. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe it's a satisfied guy like Tyler Macon to yeah. allow him to hey, not be discouraged by you right. know, saying you're hey, you're, you're you're the number three or you, know, you can battle it out. Maybe this week you're number two or but it's going to be a constant battle for the, the backup spot. But a guy like um, Sam Horn, as we know, can play in up to four games. And my guess is that Eli will try to spot play him um, as needed to see Ace, to see what he could do, but not, I don't know that you want to play him beyond four games if you don't have to. Yeah. Uh, so you hope Cook uh, can go the distance um, and that you can spot play whoever it is uh, that, that ends up backing him up. Yeah. Uh, but a guy like Horn, who's who's extremely talented, looks like he's been you know on an SEC roster for some time. Uh, you want to be able to count on him for multiple years, you know, four or five more years down the road. Yeah. Uh, um, without you know expending him and and going past four games this season. He certainly passes the eye test. The first time I saw him on the practice field, it's, wow, that's that's a that's a power five quarterback. I mean, he just has that frame. Um, nothing against Brady or Tyler. Or, or, you know, any of the other guys or any guys Missouri's had the last few years, but he is, he's, he's got that stature about him, doesn't he? I totally agree. Uh, he, he just from looks alone, he yeah. looks, he's, he's SEC ready, no doubt. And, um, you know, if, if, if the other half uh, even kind of meets that eye test, then uh, Missouri's going to be well situated uh, in the future. Yeah, for sure. All right, we've gone like 15 minutes and haven't mentioned Luther Burden's name, which I don't think is allowed in in the in, in media <laughs> podcasting with Mizzou. But you're in St. Louis. You've probably heard the buzz for the last few years. What what's a fair expectation for this guy as a as a freshman, but also, you know, the number one receiver, fresh freshman receiver, or number one receiver prospect in the country who's going to start? We know that'll touch the ball a bunch, probably. But what's fair to expect from him? Well, from a fan perspective, and this is what I will will would like to say to people is like, don't expect this one person, this one player who is extremely talented, yeah, you know, to be the savior for Missouri football. You know, he's he's a freshman. There's so much more for this guy to learn, and he's surrounded by really experienced uh, receivers in that receiver room that have actually played a lot of football here. Yeah. Um, and they're going to be counted on to be productive. And I think the more productive they are, it takes that burden off of burden, if you will. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't have to be counted on to do everything, to do too much. Uh, and then you can, I think you have a way then, if you're the guys who are producing, you know, burden becomes that much more valuable right. uh, to, you know, draw up things that um, you normally would not draw up for your, uh, your your number one guy. You can, you can move him around a lot and, and, and depending on how uh, teams cover your other receivers, you can do some special things with him. Listen, he's an athletic guy. He makes some acrobatic catches. I don't know that his, that he's got top end burner speed, but I mean, he, he's probably as fast as the average receiver that's going to line up for any team. Yeah. Uh, but what he does after the, after the catch is I think the thing that uh, makes him so special and uh, yeah, you hope that he gets a bunch of chances. And uh, you know, the biggest thing is how do you satisfy a group of hungry receivers? So obviously you got to have yeah. protection up front and you've got to have a quarterback that can, um, you know, uh, focus on 
all the things he needs to focus on, uh, not key in on one guy all the time and spread it around and satisfy, you know, all those hungry uh, guys that want to get their hands on the football. Right. Uh, but I think Burton, you know, if, if he lives up to the, to the hype, then yeah, he will be a dynamic receiver. Um, and, you know, it's been what, 10 years since Missouri has had the number one receiver in the nation uh, going back to um, Doriel Green Beckham. Right. So we certainly hope that the, <laughs> The, the career of uh, Luther Burton III ends up better than that of, of uh, DGP. Yeah, um, no but, you know, it, it seems, and I think maybe what happened with Green Beckham, maybe that's a, a lesson for Burton. You know, yeah. uh, listen, you, a lot of high expectations, but man, if you do the things that you're supposed to do, you know, you're going to be beloved. Uh, right. It's really it's up to you, you know, how you carry yourself. Uh, but you got to take care of the priorities. You got to go to class. You got to stay eligible. Uh, you got to have a certain amount of humility. Um, and you've, you've got to be a good teammate. I mean, if you do all those things and he's going to, however long he's here, he's going to have uh, success and he's yeah. going to contribute to the success of this team offensively. Yeah. I'm with you. I think this receiver group has a chance to be really good. If, it, if there's some balance and that everybody's got to check the ego at the door, you know, there can't be yeah. any, griping about I didn't get enough touches because um, you can all benefit from the attention that each other get. And I, I think that I, I reminded all the time to that 2007 team that was loaded with NFL guys. You had Jeremy Macklin, Denario Alexander, you had the two tight ends, Tommy Saunders, Will Franklin. Um, and those guys, they never seemed to ever get upset. They always celebrated their teammates success because they knew they were just one series away from catching the next touchdown. And that's, that's why that group worked. And I think any, you know, they're, they're the standard bearer for any Missouri receiving core, I think until the end of time, probably because they were so talented, but it wasn't just the talent. It was, they, they were really selfless guys. And, uh, and they also had a quarterback who was completing about 70% of his throws to him too. So um, I think that's the gold standard. Can this group match that? Who knows we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but yeah, it, it'll take some selflessness because I think I think there's a lot of talent in this group for sure. I do too, and and the guy I don't know Burden at all. I mean, I've I've met him, but yeah, you know, I know the other guys a lot better, and uh, they all have that mindset. I think they're all very selfless, yeah. humble guys, uh, led of course by you know uh, Bear Bannister has been here ten years, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> but he's a guy that you know came in as a walk on, and and you don't do what he's been able to do without working hard. So right. I, he has kind of been the, uh, the standard bearer uh, and, and that's infectious. I think that works, you know, that spreads throughout the room. Everyone sees what he's been able to do coming from nothing, you know, yeah. now he's a starter and he's a leader on this team, uh, which shows you it's, it's a perfect example of if you put in the work, right. you're going to have success. You're going to be dependent on in key situations. Uh, and I think that's especially good for a guy like Burton. You know, even uh -huh. though he's a talented guy, you see, you know, when ex what experience does for you and right. guys that are that come in and are consistent and work, um, you know, the, the accolades and rewards will come. Right, right. You touched on the defense a little bit. Let's let's switch sides there. Um, I've, I've made this cynical comment all season, all off season that it, it can't get much worse. Um, because we saw it get pretty bad there early on. But I, I starting up front, 
you're an old offensive tackle. McGuire, Jeff Code. Who, if both of those guys are on, how 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 difficult can this D line be? If they, it seems like McGuire had the good year last year. Jeff Code was probably better two years ago. But if they both have all SEC type seasons, how do you defend that? Prayers. <laughs> if, if you are, if Jeff Code returns to uh, twenty twenty four. Yeah. And McGuire takes that next leap, you know, and, and picks up where he ended in 2021. Uh, and if you get help from, you know, all the new guys, the big rotation of guys with uh, D Robinson, of course, yeah. and the other contributors, then, you know, this is a line that could conceivably do what Missouri was able to do uh, in 2013 and 2014 when yeah. they had a, to me, guys that were not necessarily uh, the best of their positions, but they played well together. Um, and you had a number of all SEC performers. Yeah. A guy who was probably maybe the least talented of them all ended up being the SEC player of the year, Michael Sand. Yeah. yeah. But he feasted on opportunities. And, you know, the, the better that those other individuals were because they, they uh, required double teams and more, more attention – uh, paid to them their way. Yeah, uh, you open the door for someone else that you may not have had such high expectations. But again, it's about working and understanding what your role is on this team, and 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 exploiting, studying your opponent, and really honing in on on what that guy does uh, well, but also what he does, uh, you know, where his weaknesses are. Yeah. Yeah. And and try to exploit those weaknesses. You know, I think this team has got a lot of team speed, especially on the edges. Yeah. And um that could be their strength. Again, if 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 they perform even slightly better than I, I think what Jeff Cope performed at uh two years ago and McGuire comes on, then they're going to be a really good tandem, maybe one of the best tandems in the SEC this year. Yeah, I think they can be if they live up to that. Uh, in, in this defense, they're going to have kind of an extra run defender because uh, they'll play with three safeties, and they consider that that third safety almost like a will linebacker. So theoretically, it should be better against the run, a little more physical. You get Martez Manuel playing up more than than the back end. I mean, is is that a difference maker? I mean, schematically, you've, you've, Eli was saying the other day that that should help against quarterback run stuff, the RPO stuff that you see. You just have another guy in a in a gap where you didn't have that last year. We always had just a, a smaller nickel back in there that maybe wasn't a much of a, a run force guy. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that with the athleticism and the experience of Montez Manuel, who to me is an NFL type player, um, he, his recognition is exceptionally good. Uh, he's, I think he's a sure tackler, uh, has really good instincts and is kind of a hybrid uh, with the size, a hybrid linebacker and a safety, can play both, can cover tight ends, can cover receivers as well. Um, but always lurking right up there, can get to those spots and, and, and keep you know, all that traffic towards the inside. If you can cut down on as many of those outside runs, um, you know, where you've got enough team speed coming from inside out, um, to, to cut down again on those big chunks. Of course, you got to, you got to take care of those inside gaps, but um, it's the outside stuff that can kill you as well. And yeah. you got a lot of team, team speed, a lot of speedy runners in this league, but uh, again, having a guy like Manuel playing up and whoever backs him up or, or spells him 
will play with the same sort of mindset. Uh, so again, they sh- they should be a lot better, Dave. I, I'm I'm counting on that. I really do believe, and I think, you know, from from a team standpoint, looking back on how poorly they played early in the season, I think they all want to get off to a fast start. They understand, hey, we can't do this again this year. Right. We've got to be better. And, you know, if we want the stands to be filled, we've got to play better also, especially on defense. That's a great segue. Um, you've, you've been in the booth for the entirety of Missouri's time in the SEC. Um, there's been some seasons where Missouri's just gotten off. They've kind of stumbled early, and that definitely impacts kind of the, the bandwagon element of the fan base, and it impacts the crowd. And um, not just this game against Louisiana Tech, but then you've got the K-State trip, you've got the Auburn trip, just – it goes without saying you, you want to get off to a good start, but just how pivotal do you feel that is for this team, this program, this fan base this year? I think if you can get an early win uh, at K-State, you know, that's going to be a key matchup for teams that are probably somewhat evenly matched in their respective conferences. Yeah. Um, if you can win there uh, and, and certainly come back home, assuming you, you beat uh, Louisiana Tech and, come back and and handle um um Evelyn Christian Evelyn Christian yeah to you uh now you go into Auburn with a a lot more confidence right. and you know, Auburn is a team that is I think kind of in transition you know obviously coaches on the hot seat uh was on the hot seat even after only one season there and I don't know what the expectations are there but um yeah it's a familiar place for Eli. Obviously, he spent yeah. a lot of time there, and some of the coaches on his staff have, have spent time there as well. So they know that atmosphere. Uh, but again, you come in 3-0, and you're playing with a lot of confidence. And um, I, I think that's what you need, especially on a road game. And then, again, if, if they're starting fast in those first three games uh, and you can sustain that, you can go in and steal a, steal a victory at Auburn. Right. And how cool would that be to, to come home in week five and face Georgia with a 4-0 record. Yeah. Uh, not saying it's going to happen, but ideally that's the scenario that you'd be looking for. Um, but man, if, if if Missouri were to start 4-0 or even 3-1, and uh, that's going to get fans back, I think, in larger numbers at Faro. And yeah. obviously, you know, the fan experience, um, uh, Desiree Reed Francoise is trying to do her best. I mean, she took a lot of notes on the road last year. I watched yeah. her. Yeah, I watched her on the road. I mean, she was very observant of what was happening in in away game stadiums, and I won't say wanted to duplicate it, but she she wants to have her own imprint of 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 an improvement at Faro, which is needed to me. Absolutely, and that's that's what I think. You know, you get fans excited about being there, but really the biggest thing is having a team that's playing well and winning. Right. It's the biggest you know factor for getting fans back into the stands. Right, right. And she can't score touchdowns, but she can do things around the state. She can listen to what the fans want. Um, and, and one of the big ones, and I was just talking to her the other day for a story that's going to come out, is fans wanted a night game. Well, normally you, the response is, well, that's up to the league. That's up to the TV networks. But Missouri went out and got this. They, they went out and, and moved some games around and worked with other schools, worked with ESPN so they could get a Thursday night game to give fans – the thing that they want. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what that crowd's going to be like. I think that number is going to be as interesting to me as anything on the field. Maybe it's just who shows up, uh, what the students are like. Um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be unique. Obviously you got fans coming in from 
St. Louis, Kansas City, Springfield, mm-hmm. wherever on a Thursday night. So I'm just really curious to see what that's going to be like. Yeah, so am I. Um, hey, the season kickoff game, you know, all national television. Um, it, I think it, it it speaks well for at least the respect that uh, Missouri has thus far. Yeah. Um, and, and and I think I have a feeling people are going to show up. You know, they're going to stripe the, the whole tiger stripe theme of, of black and gold to stands, which shows up very well on TV. And um, I think it was wise to do it before students broke away for the Labor Day holiday, which typically right. is not, it's kind of been the, uh, a light weekend from, uh, you know, yeah. home opener standpoint, people just tend to go away in droves, but man, if you, if, if they show up in numbers um, and you win that game, I think it's just going to be a much better look for, uh, for this program. For sure. And, and recruiting that helps in recruiting as well, uh, as much as anything does. Right. It's all about momentum. All right. You're number 12 for you in the booth. Um, I'm not going to ask for your most uh, favorite embarrassing story that would embarrass Mike Kelly. We'll save that for off the podcast, but what's it like working next to him? Um, He is, he's becoming, I mean, a legend at this point, as far as Missouri history, as far as college football, basketball, you know, announcer history, he's got the longevity, doesn't seem to be slowing down. How much better are you as a partner with him in year 12 than you were right when you started, you kind of learned his style, learned, how he operates. And like you said, he, he lets you talk every once in a while. Listen, it's, I'm a better analyst as a result because we, every year we kind of talk through things, you know, how uh-huh. can we improve our broadcast this year? Uh, so he gave me some things to consider, especially early on. And it takes a while to sort of, you know, you develop that pace and, and, and understand his pace. Obviously, you know, that depends on the type of offense that's being run. Yeah. Uh, but I, I know at some point when it's time for me to come in and make my point and make that point very quickly so that he can pick it up, you know, for the next play. Uh, it takes a lot of work, you know, it, it takes a, a lot of focus, especially at the beginning of the season, because you haven't done it in nine right. months. Or so, uh, so I, I won't say I struggle earlier on, but I, my attention is more focused on, on that delivery and being quick with it and still trying to get as much information out to the listener as I possibly can. Yeah. Usually by halftime, um, I feel comfortable again. Um, uh-huh. but it's, you know, that from, from week one, um, you know, there's a lot of nervous energy at first because you want the first one to be of course, very good. Yeah. Uh, we're going to also have a special guest in the booth, uh, for week one, uh, Brad Sham, the Cowboys, Oh, wow. Sir, uh, Brad's going to join us. You know, Brad is a Mizzou alum. Yeah. Uh, and follows the Tigers very closely. So it'll be great to have him here. You know, I listen to the Cowboys broadcast as much as I can. Sure. And listen to his work and um, uh, kind of inspired by it. So I, I, I've i taken pieces from what he and Babe Laufenberg have done and try wow. to not duplicate it, but incorporate some of that, uh, the, that conversational aspect of it that they're so good at and try to work that in with Mike as much as possible. And the fact that Mike and I are good friends, uh-huh. you know, we actually like each other, uh, <laughs> really helps our, our broadcasts also. So, how, Howard, how did you, did you have to kind of find your voice? Because you, you obviously replaced a guy in, in Coach Caddy, John Cadillac, who was a legend, but maybe not the most gifted, talented orator on the radio, but, he, but he, everybody loved Caddy and loved his personality. He brought so much passion. Mike tells the stories all the time about how he looked over and could see a tear in his eye, you know, after a epic win. 
you replaced a, a legend in that booth. Did you have to make sure that, all right, I'm giving, I'm, I'm myself here and I've got to find my voice, my personality. How, how did that evolve over time? Well, I, it started with, um, with this. I, I, I was never planning to, you know, step into his footsteps, into his shoes. I just wanted to put mine next to his. Okay. And, um, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, I broadcast communications was my major. Yeah. Uh, so I had experience uh, working in television, working in radio years before. But, you know, I had took a little detour along the way, uh, uh, working for CIA and, and working in real estate. But it was always in my blood. And what's funny is that I used to have a, a neighbor who was when I lived in Virginia, who was a big Redskins fan, and we would watch football together. And one day, you know, we're just talking about the games and I'm, you know, calling things out. And he goes, he goes, he's just like this. He goes, dude, why aren't you broadcasting for somebody right now? He goes, you know, this game and you really, you know, what's happening next. And you can describe the action very well. And I told him, I said, it's not for a lack of trying. I said, yeah. the opportunities just weren't there at the time that I finished my career that there are for these younger players now. And so when I was on, I was in private security, uh, right. CIA, I was actually on a trip, I was in Saudi Arabia, of all places, and read online that uh, Coach Cadillac was, was going to retire. Yeah. And uh, I called two people that I'd been close to for a number of years since I was an undergrad. Um, Freddie DeMarco. Freddie. <laughs> Everybody knows Freddie, the Godfather, who who Freddie who, helped who, me get my job. <laughs> see, there you go. See, right, Freddie DeMarco and, and Carolyn Hawks, who um, Carolyn was one of the co-producers with Virginia Stewart of the Norm Stewart Basketball. Okay, show. okay. Uh, so very close to to both of them. In fact, her husband Wayne was my dentist uh, when I was there. And uh, anyway, they let it be known that I had interest in. Um, in possibly replacing Coach Cadillac, who also recruited me to Mizzou. Most people don't right. know that. But, right. uh, I spent a lot of time in my living room uh, in his uh, coffee-stained trench coat and his wing <laughs> <pants>, man. <laughs> um, but I had a special relationship with him. So once it was announced that, um, that uh, I had actually been selected to be the new analyst, um, you know, I, I actually thank Caddy, you know, for uh, A, the time that he spent with me recruiting me, but also for the job that he did in the booth, which was only supposed to be a temporary job. And then right. six years later, um, uh, he, he made it sort of his own. I mean, he was a character in the booth. I didn't want to duplicate that. I wanted to be my own person. I wanted to bring, I think, more expertise, you know, from the standpoint of, of being a former player uh, and kind of a student of the game. And I, and I think that I've been able to do that. And I, and I hope the, the listeners do appreciate, um, you know, my point of view and what I bring to the broadcasts. Yeah. It's, I think, I think it's just such an interesting job because like you said, there's only, you only get 12, you know, days a year where you're, you're on the stage. It's different than basketball or baseball or anything like that. And you get those three hours, three and a half, one, four in college football, but, um, and, and then you get to, you know, it's kind of like a, a dance with your partner there and you got to call the game, but you got to add something interesting. And, and I'm sure it, you know, you guys, I'm sure it's a lot of it's just like, you know, eye contact because, you, you know, you're just kind of looking at each other. When's it, when's my turn? When's your turn? And um, I think you guys do such a great job and it's, it's fun to, I'm usually, you know, just a few feet down from you 
in in the booth but when i do you know listen it's it's always a good uh you guys do such a good job and 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 i'm sure the listeners i know the listeners really enjoy it yeah i appreciate it and uh, again it's it's taking pride in what we do and you know i try to prepare as much as i can throughout the week but i don't want to over prepare i want want a lot of it to be uh, as natural as possible i want i want to be able to uh, be unrehearsed and unscripted and just react to what I see on the field. And I think that's where I'm best. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the way to do it. All right, Howard, well, this is fun. We, we're going to have a game to watch here soon enough. Uh, we, we, we can stop talking about what we might see and what we hope to see. And instead we'll actually have a game to analyze and overanalyze, I'm sure. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've, I've just been really excited about this season because I think these teams that we, we don't really know how it's going to go Sometimes it's the teams that are maybe predicted to not be as good. Those seem to be some of the more interesting seasons because there's nothing more interesting in, in the job that you do and the job I do than being surprised. Yeah. And I, think, I think we could be surprised this year. We could be. I mean, I don't know. I, it, most people think this is a five and seven, six and six, maybe seven and five team. And sometimes those are the years that, um, you know, blow your mind and, and it's something more that you don't see coming. And uh, maybe maybe this is one of those years. Well, the expectations probably aren't very high, but I mean, where was Missouri predicted uh, in 2013? I'd like yeah. to know. And, and what do they do? They go and knock off Georgia at Sanford Stadium yeah. and, and go on and play for uh, the SEC championship. I mean, yeah. that would be, you know, a lot of it feels like that early on. Although we, I don't think we had nearly as much anticipation about that season as we do about this season yeah uh, at least that's that's my perspective well and um, it's yeah and all projections are mostly based on what happened last year and in today's college sports the rosters turn over so much it's it's kind of a flawed way of looking at it so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's why i that's why i would be happy to be surprised because that's that's what makes saturdays so interesting and, and i guess thursdays and in this case next <laughs> right not i totally agree with you um right. But I just want to say, you know, listen, I, I, I read you every week and, uh, you know, for people that are listening to this podcast, you don't get nearly the credit that you deserve for the fantastic that you do in bringing, you know, what's relevant and what's happening, good or bad in Mizzou athletics to the reader. So uh, I appreciate you and uh, uh, just thank you for being a friend and, and, a, and a, and a good partner in, in everything related to Mizzou Athletics. Mizzou well, football. That, that means a lot. I will bring your check to the press box next Thursday. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we've got football coming up soon enough. We'll have a lot of coverage at stltoday.com leading up to Thursday's game. I want to thank Howard Richards for joining us, uh, breaking down all things this 2022 Mizzou football team. Uh, expectations, projections, and all of that. We want to remind our listeners, please check us out at stltoday.com slash podcast, where you can find the Eye on the Tigers podcast and all the other podcasts from our uh, great sports writers and our, our, our news reporters. Also, please subscribe. You can find us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you do, please give us a rating. Please leave us a comment, but those ratings are really important. It makes uh, it a lot easier for other listeners to be able to find the Eye on the Tigers podcast. So take 30 seconds out of your day give us a rating and uh you know we always enjoy your feedback so for howard i'm dave thanks a lot we'll talk to you next week